Let's look then at the word minister. So in a really common usage that's so common to us, it refers to someone who's responded to God's call, um, has a ministry credential in his billfold or in her purse, and is a paid professional, and we say has entered the ministry. I'm not in Canada, so I'm not talking about politics. Entered the ministry of serving God's people and the church and helping out and leading. But uh, the biblical usage is that there's a Greek word that you're kind of familiar with, maybe, diakonos, that we get the word deacon from, actually. Diakonos, which is translated as service, ministry, or mission. And a common error in the church across the U.S., probably the world, is that this word that describes the service that all God's people are to give for God's glory to build up his church and to reach the world is reserved to the leadership that a few authorized people give. Follow my train of thought? It regulates the ministry to a few specialized individuals and um, really it takes it away from God's people, reducing the amount of ministry that ought to take place. That's why I had you turn to one another and say, you are a minister. Because I'm hoping by the time I get done preaching today, God's word will convince you that you are a minister. So um, God created you to do good works or ministry. So if you look at your Bibles here, the couple of verses right before Ephesians 2.10, let's go to 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, there's that word works, so that no one can boast. Okay, so this is the context of 2.10 that we're looking at deeply. So the first thought is that we're not saved by doing good things, works. We're not saved by works, but by God's grace. It's a free gift, no merit. No good thing we could do uh, causes us to deserve being right with God and being a part of his family, being called a child of God. There's no good thing good enough that you or I could do to ever qualify. That's amazing. So we established that fact. We're not saved by good works. But um, when a person comes to Christ, old things have passed away, all things have become new. But... um, We are saved to do good works. God does a good work in us so that we can do good works for him and for others. And so the word works appears again. It's in the next verse, 2.10. So we're not saved by good works, but we are God's workmanship, God's at work in us, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this is the overflow, the outflow of God's good work in us. As we trust in him for our salvation, comes to us only by favor that we don't deserve. We call that grace. His work in us. We could try all kinds of good things, but we're never going to get good enough to be as good as Jesus is, and he's the standard. So our good works may come up to about here, but they'll never reach the good standard of Jesus. That's why we need a Savior, and that's why we need grace, and that's why we need God at work in our lives.
But once God does that work in our lives and we respond to his grace in us, guess what? Grace begins to flow through us. It begins to flow through us in all kinds of ways and we begin to do good works because God's at work in our lives and he's equipping us and empowering us and inspiring us to do good works. It's the outflow of our salvation. We're not trying to do it to be right with God or to be good enough and holy enough, better than somebody else. Uh, it just naturally happens because we're plugged into him. So I want to establish three major foundations for the ministry of all God's people. You, who call God your Savior, I want to establish the foundation. Here's what you're standing upon as you minister for God's people. And so hopefully a little different idea than uh, your typical thought about what ministry is. The first one is that all God's people are carriers of the Holy Spirit. That's right. All of God's people are carriers of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if the Holy Spirit isn't, isn't in you, you don't belong to Jesus. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And we know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, his flowing out and filling is also available. On the day of Pentecost, Peter quoted Joel 2.28 and said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, all people, your sons, your daughters, the old, the young, the men, the women, not just prophets, priests, kings, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and uh, all the rest, but all God's people. And so we establish the fact that all God pe God's people are carriers of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I, I know we say that once in a while, not even sing it. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit lives in us. We carry the Holy Spirit. So let's go to the, that thought that's next there. All God's people are gifted conduits of his grace. So all of us have gifts. If you're in the body of Christ, God's given you at least one gift. And there are some other gifts that may just come and flow into your life as needed. So um, all God's people are gifted conduits. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. It doesn't say everybody but Tom. Everybody but Jill has gifts. No, it says each one. So, whoa, it's time for us to put that gift or gifts, multiple, into play um, in, in the work of God. These are different forms of God's grace. Remember I, I showed that, and God's word showed us that we're saved by grace, and God works in our lives, and then God's grace begins to flow? This verse, 1 Peter 4, 10, tells us that the gifts you've received are God's grace in various forms. Like I receive a gift from God to give a gift to somebody. It might be a gift of healing, a gift of service, a gift of an encouraging word, whatever. We are to serve God in gifted ways. Now, the third thought is really going to blow your mind, but it's been up here for a little bit in front of you. All God's people, not just Pastor Kevin and Becky, all God's or your deacon board, 
are priests with access to God and authority to be his ambassadors. Whoa, turn your collar around, right? (laughs) You're a priest. Uh, So we're not talking about somebody who's wearing black with a little white collar. Uh, But it was mind-blowing maybe when some of you said to each other, you are a minister. Now, God's word is taking it a step further for us. And I find in 1 Peter chapter 2 that you and I are priests. So I'm going to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 5. And again, we're talking about all God's people. Everyone who is a Christian, who is saved by him, is a part of his body. And so as a part of the body, you have a function as a part of the body. Whether it's a foot, a toe, a finger, an eye, an ear, the mouth. You know, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 talks all about that. So here it is. Uh, The priesthood of the believer was a truth that was rediscovered by Martin Luther about 1517 when he nailed the 95 Thesis to the wall, to the door. A priest has access to God and authority to be his ambassador. representing people to God and God to people. So we got the first part right. As priests, we have access to God through the word of God and prayer. 1 Peter 2.5 You, as living stones, are built into a spiritual house. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit within us. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. God equips you together, but individually also, to be a holy priesthood, offer up sacrifices that God will accept just like he did from the Old Testament priest. So we have that right, but not only do we have access to God, we're also his ambassadors. Chapter 2, verse 9 of 1 Peter. But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So folks, since God has called us out of darkness into light, we then ought to declare his praises to the world, as it says, as a royal priesthood. We are priests and kings. We're not going to get into that today. But... Um, This says we don't just have access to God. Martin Luther showed God's people can read God's word and pray to him without needing a priest because we are priests. But here's the truth. Not only do you have access to God, you're an ambassador for him. You're to reach out to your world representing him and you are authorized by Jesus to do that. You're a royal priesthood to declare the praises of him because of the amazing thing he's done in your life. So we have access. We may go to him freely. We're ambassadors. We may go for him boldly. That's the truth of the royal priesthood that you are. So let's pop up this next slide here because I want you to see uh, this dynamic quote by Sue Mallory. She said that God's ideal is a church in which all God's people are unleashed to create a company, a team of ministers, experiencing fulfillment and effectiveness, serving as channels of God's grace in ways that uniquely fit their design. That raises a question. Now, if all God's people 
are ministers, what's the role of the person we so often call the minister? Well, the primary role of leaders in the church is to equip God's people for ministry. And um, in God's word, Ephesians chapter 4, we find this truth that God gave each one of us has been given grace and he ascended and gave gifts to men. Chapter 411 of Ephesians. It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to prepare or equip, to mend up God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up and be full. And then at verse 16 it says, the body of Christ grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I want you to see that um, um, they're not to be the only ones doing ministry, but their major ministry is to equip you, the body of Christ, for ministry. That's right. The major ministry of these ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, it says, Ephesians 4, 11, is 12, is to equip, prepare, mend up, get ready God's people for works of service so that you may be built up and attain the full measure of fullness. Wow. So I like the idea of a player coach. That's who I believe your pastor Kevin is. He's got the player's uniform on. There's a number on his chest. He's out there sweating with you and the pigskin, the football comes uh, his way. He gets it from somebody who is hiking it, doing his part, and he steps back and everybody's going their way and he throws the pass to somebody who catches it, runs, and gets across the goal line. And Pastor Kevin and the crowd saying, instead of go Pastor Kevin, yay Pastor Kevin, everybody's saying, hey Jim, way to catch that ball, good touchdown, yay Jim, he's our man. And you see, God is using, the whole body is, is experiencing good things because Jim is fulfilling a ministry in the body of Christ. He opened up his mouth, declared the goodness of God, and somebody came to know, wow, I want to be a Christian like you. Uh, what is it makes you different in my workplace? I think you all get the idea. Player coach, passing, handling, handing the ball, but calling the plays. So we're to honor, respect, submit to them who are in authority in ministry leadership, my favorite term. Instead of ministry, I call it ministry leadership because we're all in ministry together. But the ministry itself, which your pastor leads, is a shared endeavor of all of you doing what uh, he is gift- he, you all are gifted to do. So then, if you get the picture, the amount of ministry is multiplied and... Um, exponentially as everyone participates as each part does its work. So there are some outstanding people that uh, seem to have it all together, um, uh, but there's a place of influence that only you can fill and no one else. My next slide uh, is that none of us has it all together, yet together we have it all. That's God's plan and design. My wife is from an Iowa farm and um, seven brothers, one sister. Farming was a family project. Did a lot of corn beans, but there was some hay too. And um, 
in the Dakotas, she saw a farmer putting up hay by himself. It didn't make much sense to her, okay? But hey, if you got to do it by yourself, that's okay. But here's a picture of the church. So on her farm, uh, there was one mowing, one raking in another field. There was one bailing, two girls fixing coffee time, two loading the hay rack, two stacking it in the hay mow, and one running to, to town for parts because that's what farmers do, right? Run to town for parts. It's harvest time. We could bring in the harvest quickly if we all join the ministry together. So masterpiece, minister. The third amazing thing God says about you in Ephesians 2.10 is you have a ministry fit. You have a ministry fit. So God planned things for you to do before you were even born. Common good things he wants everybody to do. Tell others the good news. Show mercy. Give. But Paul talked about finishing his race, his course. The race marked out for him. Uh, high school track, the hurdles, the high hurdles were my favorite race. When I got down to my marks, looked through those 10 hurdles, I knew what was in front of me, and I had to stay in my lane or I'd be disqualified. There's a race marked out for you. And there's a ministry fit, doing things for God's kingdom that are your sweet spot, that maximize your God-given design, lining up your unique ministry a mix of passion, experiences, natural abilities, spiritual gifts, personality. So when God's people needed a lawgiver and deliverer, he prepared Moses. Moses had a strong sense of justice and had been rescued, fit for the task. But when they needed someone to lead them to conquer the land, he provided Joshua. Strategic mind, great courage to lead them in their battles and conquer the land. So athletes know that sweet spot. When conditions are right, you're performing at your highest level. There's a movie, Chariots of Fire, where Eric Little, the Christian Olympic gold medalist and sprinter, uh, tells his sister, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And you see him running, smiling to God in heaven, breaking records and winning the Olympics, right? But I want to ask you, what is it that you do that uh, when you do it, it causes you to feel God's pleasure, to see his smile? Because there's something you do that's your sweet spot, just like Eric Little's running. Uh, Max Licato writes this, that you are heaven's Halley's Comet. We have one shot at seeing you shine. If you don't, you offer a gift to society that no one else can bring. If you don't bring it, it won't be brought. So Da Vinci painted one Mona Lisa. Beethoven wrote one Fifth Symphony. Get low this. God made one version of you. Just one version of you. And... Um, I want you to consider Queen Esther of the Bible. Here's an incredibly beautiful beauty queen. She won the Miss Universe pageant and was then married to the king. But she's a godly woman, velvet-covered, steel determination, wise, tactful. And Pfizer to the king won to destroy all of the Jewish people. But her uncle says, who knows, but that you've come to royal position for such a time as this. 
She was created for a moment in time, and you too were created for this moment in time and a specific contribution. Sheila Walsh wrote, What if you dared to believe that the God of the universe has made you so unique that without your passionate participation in this life, we would all feel the loss? I believe that's a great question to think about right now. Even at a funeral, we think about the unique contribution somebody makes. I had the funeral of a, a deacon friend named Harry, and people said, nobody could grow tomatoes like Harry. I had the funeral of another lady in a little town where I was pastoring, and they said, she always fed all of us hunters on opening day, and we loved her food at noon on opening day of the hunting season. Well, we need to celebrate it, capitalize it, leverage it, and allow ourselves to believe that we're unique before we reach the grave, okay? And make that unique contribution. We're managers of the unique design, gifts, and motivation God's investing in us. So are you willing uh, to discover who he's made you to be? Are you willing to develop beyond that discovery, develop that area of giftedness and talent because what we are is God's gift to us, but what we make is our gift to God. And are you willing to dedicate all that you are to Him? And do you have the opportunity of doing just that? So I'd like the worship team to come up to the front, would you? Um, and together, would, would let's all stand together, shall we? I want you to stand with me. <clears throat> I want you to think of what I've been talking about, these three big ideas that um, first off, and you may just bow your heads before God in a time of inner thought and contemplation, but perhaps when I was talking about a ministry fit, you were thinking, wow, I don't know quite where I fit. What ministry really, really fits me? But as your heads are bowed in prayer, if you've been kind of seeking that ministry fit and just hasn't opened up, if that's you and you're saying, yes, Lord, I'm on a journey and I will keep on trying, would you please guide me to my ministry fit and would you help me discover that even better? And it's a process. Sometimes you have to try things that don't fit. Would you just raise your hand if that's you today, that you're trying to find your ministry fit, uh, some area of service? Yes. That God has for you and... Um, you're on a journey to seek and find it. Amen. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. And then maybe when I said you're a minister, that was a brand new idea to you. You don't think of yourself as someone who has anything to give spiritually. Ministering to others is kind of new, maybe brand new to you. But if you're willing to explore that and say yes to God, uh, I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not maybe going to be the Sunday school teacher or whatever. But Lord, I will be. I will serve. I will minister to others in the way that you designed me. If you're saying in kind of maybe a new way today, uh, Lord, I'll be a minister. Would you just raise your hand before him today and say, yes, I want to uh, really get into ministry. I want to serve God the church and others, if you'd raise your hand, that'd be just great today. Amen. Yes. 
God sees that desire on your part. I believe he's going to lead you and help you be a minister. You know, I started talking about you're a masterpiece. And some of you had a voice in your head that was saying other things. Somebody in your life, maybe when you're a child, maybe when you're a teenager, maybe when you were a young adult, maybe you had just gotten married, somewhere in life, somebody said you're different than that. They didn't say you're a masterpiece. They said you're trash. They said you're not worth anything. You're no good. And uh, today you just heard that God doesn't make junk. Maybe God's at work in your life. And when God's word was speaking to us about being a masterpiece before him, that was for you. Would you just now raise your hand before God and say, yeah, I respond to that. I'm affirming. I'm saying, yes, I accept that God. I will be a masterpiece. I am. And I will live up to that. Amen. Yes. God sees your hand. God bless you. Praise the Lord. God's doing something good inside of us. Amen. I believe the Lord is touching our lives. So let us together respond to him. And as we sing this next song together, let's allow that to happen within us. Let's allow God to affirm our place as a masterpiece, as a minister, as a person having a ministry fit. Let's worship God together as the worship team leads us. Praise God. Let's together join in prayer. We give you thanks, God, for this day. Thank you for your word of truth to our lives. Thank you for all that you have for us. And help us, I pray, to be on the pathway of discovering more, of yielding more, of stepping out and doing more, just because of your uh, grace flowing through us. We thank you that you have a place for all of us. You've made us as masterpieces and ministers, and may we fulfill that within your church, your community, your world. Amen. God bless you all. It's been great being with you. Loved it.